0: Leobo to the right hand, puts her down, he's going to jump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome for 3, two, one.
1: Warrior.
2: My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911,
0: emergency? Someone overdosed, what's the address?
2: I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. What is going on? Welcome. Hockey to Hell and Back episode number 101. I am Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from beautiful Muskoka, Ontario. It was absolutely gorgeous here today, but I've been kind of feeling off for the last week with my mental health. I don't know how much we're going to dive into that tonight, but I'll tell you, two years clean off of all that garbage that you know claim the majority of my good years i would say my adolescent years and uh life is still still a struggle some days so you know everyone out there hang in there i'm gonna hang in there we got a great show that i'm so excited we got danny probert Tierney Probert and Declan Probert from the Probert family we're going to talk about their lives and the and the Bob Probert ride which is now in its final year. Uh, I'm so excited to do so. Uh, but before we do so this show is proudly brought to you by the great people at True Temper Hockey. Without them, I don't know where I where I would be and uh, I'm back on the ice coaching kids again and I can't even tell you guys what a gift that is. I've talked about it briefly on this show uh, but you know, I would I, I, would essentially probably pay to coach some of these kids because I have so much fun. I always ask them, I'm like, I don't know who's having more fun, me or you guys. Um, but uh, it's been just such an amazing experience to get back on the ice and uh, to have parents come up to me and like want me to work with their kids after everything that I've gone through. It just goes to show that, you know, people really can change. And and when they do, that people are there to support them and believe in them. And that's certainly been the case for me. And uh, I can't even put that into words. So a quick message uh, from my good friend, Regan Bartel and the people at Team Issue. And we we will be right back with Danny Tierney and Declan Probert. Shout out to Jesse Paradise. I said every show, but he was my second guest. He was a teammate of mine uh, when I was on the Kelowna Rockets. He was just 16 when I was 20. And when I called him out of the blue, after not talking to him for probably 10 years, and was like, hey, I started this show. I've done like two episodes, had one guest. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I would love to have you on. And he's like, yeah, tell me when to be there. By the way, I'll sponsor your show too. And I was like, man, thank you. And, uh, At the time, I had no clothes, really, either. Like, I had nothing. And he sent me probably, like, $2,000 worth of team-issued stuff. he's like, hey, man, have at her. We gave a bunch of stuff away, and my closet is still filled with so much team-issued stuff. So thank you, Jess. Love you, man. Never, ever forget that. Uh, But let's get into the show. What an honor to have Danny back on the show. She is my most viewed podcast to date. And I was just mentioning that to her before the show. Shout out Richard Greenup pointed that out to me earlier in the week and uh since then i've been able to connect with tierney and declan and declan and i have done a live video together on her page and tierney was in there and we've been able to develop a friendship and uh their support just means the world to me so without further ado let's bring them in there they are
3: we're back
2: (laughs) Yes. And lots has changed, right? Like it's, uh, it's so nice to see you guys and the world is kind of opened up. It was crazy times, Danny, when we connected and I kind of laughed earlier, I I had no teeth. I went back and watched that show and the lighting was so bad. I don't even think you could see my face and it was just, you know, probably didn't even want people to see my face, but you were so kind and um, just thank you for, for coming on and thank you for everything over the, the course of the last year and a half, however long it's been.
3: It's, it's been a minute. We were just trying to figure it out. It's been about a year and a half and love doing the show with you. So thank you for having us back.
2: Yeah, any time. And uh, you guys just announced that you guys are in the final year of the Bob Probert Memorial Ride. But for people that don't know, which I'm sure most people watching the show know, tell us a little bit about the ride and how it got started and kind of what it's meant to you over the years and how it's grown.
3: Um, the ride started, uh, it was a, a couple of months after Bob had passed away. And I think we had discussed this before, Brady, but everybody came out of the woodwork and had all these wonderful fundraising ideas and wanted to honor Bob. And I just couldn't say no. And there was golf and there was other things going on and posters, et cetera. But um, finally, it was uh, Dino Kyoto Don, Donnie Kadarian and uh, Ted Boomer from the area that approached me. And Donnie's one of Bob's was one of bob's best friends and they wanted to do a ride and for um raising funds for cardiac so it just seemed like the perfect fit since bob had such a passion for bikes and um it was uh, something that I was really yeah look at that <laughs> poster from way back look at that on the move we still have that it's in the garage did you get your license yet there brady get it
2: yeah i, I want i needed to address that we're having some we're having <laughs> Issues from my past life still on that. So uh, we're working around that. But hey, at the end of the day, I'm going to come down on June 26th and I'll be there to support the ride. Are you
4: way. really? He's
3: yeah. on the URP bus. Woo! Awesome. That's, that's fantastic great. news. That's news to me. I didn't know. Now you know. Very nice. I love it. But, but, but that's going to be waiting. I'm not getting rid of the mood. That's sitting in the garage. I'm going to have it all cleaned up and the oil changed. And if, when you get your license, are you ready to ride it? That's the one right there. Oh, geez.
2: Look at you, Danny! Holy
3: 1993! Yeah, oh my God! Look at Dad with the leather headband. <laughs> I think that's leather. Yeah, I think it's. I mean,
2: he could he could totally pull that off though, and like, who's gonna say anything to him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he could do anything he wants, and, and nobody would say anything to him, or at oh, yeah. least it would be stupid too, right? So
3: half our um, wedding, he spent with his teeth out. So you were talking about our last podcast. That was yeah. Big Bob. Totally, he hated wearing his teeth.
2: Yeah. They're, they're pretty uncomfortable and, uh, I don't know they're, it's a nice option to have. Um, but I don't know. I think when you're playing hockey and you're, you're, you're still kind of in that life. It's not that big of a deal. But when you come out of addiction and you look like hell and you have no teeth, it looks like I was just doing drugs for the last 12 years that <laughs> I didn't lose them playing hockey. So I needed to get them fixed, but I can certainly understand how uncomfortable they are. But I, I, I didn't want to cut you off with a picture, but I, I love showing those pictures and uh, because I know just let your eyes light up the same way they did the last time. But um, the, the ride has been such a success and it's, has it grown quite a bit over the years?
3: um I, I think so I mean yeah I, I guess word of mouth and whatever I mean we, we put on an awesome event if I do say so myself <laughs> it was first class all the way right from the get-go and oh yeah there's the uh wow is that the fort you guys yeah that's okay. the fort that's the first stop oh wow Um, Yeah, I mean, we've been working with, partnered with Hotel De Grace Healthcare and having Unifor 444 is presenting sponsors from day one. And a a lot of our sponsors have been on board from day one, have really helped us make it the huge success that it's been right off the hop. I know um, the foundation, Barb 7, a couple of the girls, they were saying how the first year they thought, well, maybe three or four hundred bikes. And that year, I think we had 700 that first year. And it's just grown. I think our last year we had over 1400 bikes. So
2: wow.
3: it's grown. And we raised over $1.2 million. Um, the past last year, we raffled off a bike since we couldn't have the event itself. And, uh, we raised money for mental health. And this year, again, the funds are going to mental health and addictions. Um, just coming out of COVID and the craziness, uh, we just see such a need. And it's, it's, it hits home for us as well. Like we battled with, uh, mental health issues and addictions in the pro-work family. So, and that's that's pretty public knowledge. So it's something that's near and dear to our heart as well. And we're proud to be raising money for uh, Hotel Degrace Healthcare again.
2: That's, uh, that's amazing. And uh, thank, thank you for sharing that with us. And I, I think a lot of people uh, understand that Bob had some challenges through the documentary tough guy, I think it uh, kind of uh, opened the people's eyes that maybe didn't even know. Um, before we get into it, like when you guys go back and watch that. And during that, um, what was that experience like for the three of you? Um, like individually, if you don't mind answering that? And, and do you guys ever go back and watch that? Because I do all the time. That's why I'm asking. I've seen it like 150 times.
4: You go first. Um, I've actually watched it a few times. I mean, the first time when we watched it, I think we watched it before it was even published. And we had a moment, like, we all were just sitting there and crying because it was a lot. Like, I didn't I didn't read the book. Um, I was too young. So when I first watched it, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in at first. And I don't know, I wasn't really prepared for it. But overall, I do. I get... Um, happy watching it to kind of see that his story is being told the right way, um, and to have those uh, voice recordings as well, like kind mm-hmm. of hearing it from his point of view as well. I think is really nice to know and whatnot. But yeah, I do watch it. I do watch it here and there. Um, but I don't know. It's been it's been a while.
2: And and that's Declan on the right for it. In case in case we were wondering, Declan on the right, Tierney on the left, and of course Danny in the middle. Who wants to take it?
3: Um, I can tell you that what Declan said, yes, we had the, the rough cut come in first and it was dark and it was um, right off the hop. You hear Bob's voice, which I was not ready for. I really wasn't. I wasn't expecting it. Like the first thing, as soon as it opened up, was his voice. That kind of threw me. Had to, to turn it off for a second and kind of process that. And there were a lot of tears watching it. Um, we made a few changes to it, minimal, but with, working with the producer and, and director, Jordy, on that Um there, there was just some stuff that was just too much for us, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, it took a while to process, that's for sure. It, it's really dark. And I think as a family, we had to, to realize that the best part of our lives with Bob aren't in that documentary. Mm. His sober years, there's a big chunk missing of his life. And that was that was the good times for us, really good times. That's when these guys were born. That's when we lived in Chicago. And some might consider that just boring you know, everyday life, but it was so awesome for us. And um, we're going to keep that private. That's for ourselves. Um, And everything else that's in that documentary, that was already well uh, documented. Anybody could Google it, that information. I don't think there were any new
1: revelations in that one. But what do you think?
3: Um, I
1: (laughs) had thrown it to you, too. Well, um, (laughs) I did read the book when I was definitely too young, against Danny's wishes, for sure. Um, and I know that that had a big impact on me growing up because I had so many, I guess, unresolved issues from that. I I had so many questions and he wasn't here for me to ask. And I didn't feel it was appropriate to ask my mom because you were a newly grieving widow. And, and there was just a lot that I think I had to internalize with reading the book and I just never dealt with. I was very pissed off teenager all the time. I think a lot because of that, I just had no idea like what was going on and then sort of pushed that aside when the movie came out. I think a lot of that resurfaced for me and mm-hmm. uh, uh, that definitely had a big impact as well. I, I certainly didn't find it as positive an experience as that. I don't know. Maybe some people did. I know a lot of people love the movie and I can appreciate that, but uh, yeah. yeah, I certainly didn't have that take on it but that's just
2: my opinion. <laughs> no, and, and 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 that's completely yeah. fair and thank you for sharing that and that's a really, you know, and and that's a really important thing for for someone like me who who like didn't what not part of the family and and just somebody who like honestly idolized your dad and and Bob right and so many people did. Um but it was just to be able to get a little bit of a glimpse into his like personality for me, like you said, the voice recordings and the different things and seeing him play with you guys on the Christmas morning, that kind of stuff. It's just really nice to see because a lot of the stuff you see if him is just fighting but we all know that he was like the nicest guy off the ice right like the big teddy bear so um i kind of want to talk about that tierney you, you kind of brought it up um you know you and i have chatted uh, a little bit about it but um and i'm putting it on you because you're the oldest the oldest kid in the room you're not <laughs> rogan is the oldest but she's she's not with us tonight um but y- y- you said you had some unresolved issues and uh in your teenage years and and what did that look like for you and how did that manifest into your life tierney
1: Well, I think growing up, and I'm sure all the other kids could agree, like we idolized our dad maybe as much as everyone else did, if not more. It's like we thought he was this big teddy bear hero man that was like completely invincible. He could do no wrong in our eyes. Um, And so I had that opinion of him until the book, not, I don't want to say that ever went away, but when the book came out. Um, I learned a lot more there and there was a lot of confusion. I, I think I was 13 when I read the book. Um, so I, I mean, there was so much I didn't understand and and so much I was just confused by um, with the addiction itself. And I, I don't know. I think there was a good chunk of it that was like, why weren't we enough to make him stop, you know, drinking or doing drugs or whatever. Um, and so yeah, I was kind of pissed off at the world of like, no, you guys can't be making fun of my dad or chirping him for doing these things. We read a lot of bad comments and that does some damage too. And I don't don't know if you guys can agree with any of that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that certainly, certainly had an impact on me growing up. I, I definitely stayed away from drugs for that reason. I knew that society had such like a negative perception of anyone who's, a drug addict, but um so yeah. For that reason, I stayed away from drugs. I had zero interest in doing drugs. Um But I guess me drinking was that I, I would say that that played a big role in it because I knew that that I could I could go under the radar a lot easier with drinking as it's legal and I think like the party culture in North America is so heavily promoted that that was something a lot easier to get away with
2: when. Sorry to, was someone going to hop in there? When did you kind of notice that this was maybe becoming an escape for you? And and maybe did you start to notice you had a problem with it?
1: Um, Definitely throughout high school. But like I said, then again, it was like the cool thing to do is to like drink and party. So it seemed more normal. Um, I think when it came to the points where I was doing it myself, when I wasn't in a party setting that I'm like, and it, it was a more frequent basis where it got into like a daily routine Then I was like, okay, this is an issue that, and I felt I couldn't get out of that on my own. I, I realized that as much as I wanted to stop, I just didn't have the willpower to do so. And I, I knew I needed additional resources to help me.
2: And, and you took that step and and made that call, right? And, and initially yeah. while well, your mom was away, I think, right?
1: I waited till she went off to Italy. And I made the call. I'm like, please help me. Um, and I think it was shortly after you came home. I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving. Um, I'll see you in a month.
2: <laughs> Danny, Danny, as a parent in that situation, like, did you see that coming? Um, and and how was your feelings on that kind of because you obviously had seen um, Bob go through quite a bit throughout his career, and, and you stood by his side all the way. And um, now you have your daughter telling you, hey, she's going to go get help. And of course, that's great. But as a parent, how are you feeling?
3: Um, I-, I was floored. I did not see that coming. I mean, like Tierney said, like partying as a, a kid in high school um, or, you know, at post secondary and college and whatever, she was, um, I didn't think anything out of the ordinary, to be honest with you. She was such a responsible kid and with school and, and, with their, and work and her work ethic and nothing, nothing was changing that way. Her personality, she was, um, she's always been my quiet kid. So, you know, her, you know, hanging back by herself or that wasn't unusual. So I really didn't see any signs. And I mean, coming from a relationship with Bob where it was so blatant, like everything was right there. Um, I think I, I thought I would, maybe would see more in my own kids. Um, I recognize some behaviors in other kids though. But I just the is, that, that.
2: is that passing the passing the buck to your left there is that what that was <laughs> yeah
3: but with tyranny no that was a total shock yes i was in italy we came home and i was within a oh i don't even think it was a week that i was home from my vacation and she had just taken all the the steps on her own she made the calls she made she booked her own flight she did and she was serious and she was ready to do this and i mean i just i remember being shocked hearing it, and just giving her the biggest hug, and and just, do you remember that? It was just so emotional, and I was just so proud of her for mm-hmm. recognizing that in herself, and and needing the help and seeking it, and and doing it, and putting in the work.
4: And yeah, that, it today it,
2: is- it's often not the case where somebody takes that that initial step right like that on their own and it's and it's something that i think a lot of people wish that they would have done instead of waiting so long i know that was the case for me and so many so many times but it's taking that initial first step like when you know you know right and i think it's really li- important to listen to those intuitions and and listen to yourself and Tierney, it's awesome to to hear that you're able to do that and uh just for people watching we're not supposed to ask age but Tierney, you're 24 right so mm-hmm. this was your you this was about how long ago for people i was watching? 22 when i went. Would- 22, so a couple years ago, right? I think we're right around the same time yeah. Time frame there, right? Like mm-hmm. roughly. And uh, well, now we could pass it over to Declan since your mom threw you under the bus. Yeah, what the <laughs>
3: heck? <laughs> Declan. I about it. No, I know. Okay, is everybody watching? Okay, Brady and Declan have talked about this in the yeah, past. So yeah. I, <laughs> I don't like think a bad Yes, <laughs> Sorry. Just to be clear.
2: Yeah, we talked extensively. We actually went over the time limit on Instagram and had to do
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh that was
2: good though it yeah was really it was okay. so you're uh Declan you're 20 right
4: 22 22 what yeah 22
2: yeah. why did I think you were 20 I thought you I were
4: don't
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, maybe that was like a year and a half two years ago when I first talked to you she told me that yeah. I'm not, I have a bad memory so tell, okay. Us, okay. tell us a little bit about your experience uh because you're a couple years younger mm-hmm. um you you have a twin brother Jack you two are the youngest for people watching and listening he's not You're obviously with us too. And I'll just throw up a quick picture because he just where is it? He's he's in the this one there. Like
3: there he is. Right. The baby boy right in the middle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is is, is he the last born? Was he the No
3: actually, he's five minutes older than Declan. She's the baby. Actually the baby. The the baby. baby.
2: (laughs) 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 Almost almost choked there. (laughs) <laughs> Declan um yeah I know that uh, you shared with me and we went live on Instagram it, was, it seems like it was a long time ago it must have been close to a year ago now I would think it was
4: yeah it was after my one year sober it was definitely after and I think um it was more tw- I want to say it was more towards the summer but I could be wrong I don't I don't really remember but it was a long it was a long video we did two parts so it was really good uh, it was nice hearing about your story too and then I kind of shared a little bit with you as well
2: yeah, but I want to I want to hear a little bit more if you're if you're open yeah. to sharing and kind of like where like where it started for you. I mean, you're the um, you're looking up to your sister and Tierney. I'm not saying you're the reason or whatever, but you're kind. Were you kind of looking up to your older sisters and people that were kind of in that circle as older and trying to keep up, or how did how did it start for yeah. you? And and when did you kind of notice that it was uh, you were kind of maybe liking it too much?
4: Um, I think for I. Life- I was in it for a few years, to be honest with you. And, like, I've always struggled with mental illness, um, anxiety and depression. I think that's been going on uh, since right after my dad passed. Um, and we we're all seeing, like, counselors and whatnot, and that helped. But um, I think especially, like, at the end of grade school leading into high school, I think that's when everything kind of went downhill and more issues are arising because, like Tierney said, too, um, like you were mentioning how people would say stuff to you about dad or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how I found out a lot of this stuff, too, is like, I didn't hear it from them. We didn't have that conversation because I was so young still. So a lot of the stuff I wouldn't understand or I'd hear it through other people. Um, or like if we had to cross the border to go to Cedar Point and my dad couldn't come, I'd be like, why not? Like, we didn't really see that clearly, I guess. Um so there's a lot of unanswered questions. And then once you kind of grow up, you hear more and more. And I always opened the tough guy book and I read the, what is it? At the beginning the when it yeah, the book. prologue, which is the worst part to read, yeah. to be honest. Um, so I'd always read it. And as soon as that would happen, I'd close it, not want to read the rest, whatnot. Um, but then, yeah, I, I ended up getting into um, drugs and alcohol and I relied on it a lot. I think it was an easier way to cope with, the heavy emotions that I was feeling or the trauma and whatnot. And yeah, it just, it got out of hand. I didn't really realize either that it would be a problem because you don't think you're an addict. And like, especially in that situation too, um, it's so normalized and, and everyone's doing it like Tierney said and whatnot. So you don't really see that until it gets to the point where you're doing it on your own and you're isolated and you need that to feel better, I think. So um, and then seeing Tierney as well going away. I didn't know that she was struggling either. Um, and when she did go, we didn't know what happened. Yeah, I didn't tell anyone. She didn't tell anyone. <laughs> like, we didn't, we didn't know anything. I didn't even know she was gone, like, to be honest with you. Um, so then she left and it was kind of, that was a big wake-up call. And I know I've been asking, like, I was asking my mom, like, for a while, like, probably a couple of years. I was like, I, I want to get help. Like, I, but, like, we didn't really know. And I would see someone. I'd constantly see a counselor and whatnot, but like it just wasn't the fit for me. And then once tyranny went away, and I saw her when she got back, and that it's possible to kind of turn everything around, and that you don't need to rely on this, and I really went to her for advice and to kind of guide me in that sense. Like this is worth it, so I need that information, and I'm going to take the step and go as well. So. I let, we, well, at a breaking point, she saw that and then she's like, yep, you're serious about this. Let's, let's get you going. So
2: yeah, oh, that's awesome. That, <laughs> this, it's not awesome that you went through that, but it's awesome that you were able to, to go get the help that you needed. And Danny, I want to pose the kind of same question. So now you're going through it again and it's your, your baby girl. How, how are you feeling now? Was this, as you mentioned, you said you kind of saw it coming. So it was a relief for you or where were you at?
3: Um. Yeah, I'm going to say relief. Absolutely. I I mean, I saw Declan struggling for a while and as a parent, you look at it going, okay, how much am I overreacting? Am I thinking too much about this? Is this normal teenage stuff? You question a lot of your own parent parenting techniques. Like, am I doing this right? Handling this to the best of my ability? Yes. I was in counseling since Bob had passed. I had, I have a, a therapist that I see regularly and, um, I, I was reassured that basically a lot of this stuff was was fairly normal for what I knew. She was very sneaky. This one, I have to say, this one this one kept <laughs> things under wraps pretty good though. Oh, yeah. And there was a few instances that were like, okay, you know, let's have a talk about this. And the grounding and trying absolutely everything in the book. And when she was finally serious and she hit her breaking point, oh, I so knew it was real, and I was so thankful. That this was happening that I had the resources I made the phone calls and uh, was able to get the help from the NHL and 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 get her out to where she needed to go and it was the best hers was a her program was a little bit longer and it specialized I don't know if I'm getting this mixed up so correct me if I'm wrong trauma and for your age group right
4: it was all around like it was mental health and addiction but only from ages 18 to 26. Okay. And, yeah. So and it was like a bigger group. I know yours was more kind of intimate, right? Mine was small.
1: We went to two yeah. different
4: places. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. And so you mentioned the NHL stepped in and, and helped with that.
1: Well, because of our our uh, of
3: medical our healthcare right that we have and our insurance, so we and we gotta say it, doc, Dr. Dan. He's not mm-hmm. a doctor, but Dan Cronin is a huge part of our lives. Has been and helped Bob. Uh, when Bob was going through all his stuff in California and just an amazing guy, an extended family member. And to call him, he's easy to talk to. Um, He helped Tierney out and uh, he definitely helped us in placing Declan as well. And the two programs that they found were awesome and they were amazing for the perfect fit for these two.
2: That's, That's awesome. I love to hear that. What about some of the struggles coming out of there? Um, for either one of you guys. And what has it been like since um, turning your life around? Because as I mentioned in the intro, I think I had this idea that all I have to do is get off this, these drugs and my life's going to be perfect, right? And I'm not going to struggle. And, and it was always this idea. And it's certainly not the case, but life is definitely better. Um, How's it kind of been navigating for you guys in recovery early on and, and today?
1: Um, I, it was definitely tricky. I was the same as you where I'm like, okay, if I stop drinking then okay, all my problems are solved and life is going to be amazing. Um, and it certainly wasn't that it did take a ton of work when I got home. Um, because like going out with the same group of people that I would go out with before that was challenging because that was like the party crowd that I would go out with. And so there were certain expectations. People told me like, you're never going to stick with this. Like, just take a shot or do like, There were certain people that weren't supportive and so I've lost relationships over that and then um, I think when there's some quiet time you get to realize like okay I was drinking because of mental health issues and then like unresolved traumas and things like that and you realize okay I don't have the same coping methods to use so now I have to establish new ones because those problems are still there um and they still need to be resolved. So it's one thing to just quit the substance, but the reason for using that substance, that's another whole another ball game.
2: You're absolutely right and uh yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's something that I think about quite a bit and we talk about on the show. I just want to get to one comment. Graham Bonner, a uh, former teammate of your dad's, is watching. says, love the love you guys. Make my heart warm. Great rapport. I miss my brother, Bob. I still remember when we first met after Don Cherry's taping. Ironically, the last time I saw my brother. And then he says, thank you, Danny, for being you. Love you, wee brother, Brady. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to Graham Bonner. Um, friend of the show, been on the show, and uh, I can say it, he's uh, 20, I think he's going to be 26 years, correct me if I'm wrong, Bones, 26 years clean and sober. He, he works at, a, he's been in the treatment uh, space for a long time, like he works in a treatment center, and he's won awards, and done all sorts of stuff, and he's just an incredible guy, so I just wanted to sneak that in there really quick. That's cool. awesome,
3: thank you for sharing that, just
2: Yeah. And he's a, and and he's a trauma specialist and, you know, him and I have talked extensively about that. And I think it's really, um, it, I don't know. I, I, I definitely didn't understand even while I was going through it and definitely prior to being an addict, uh, Really understanding why people use drugs in the first place, right? And and there's just so much judgment that comes with that. There's still such a stigma, I find, when we talk about addiction and substance abuse versus mental health. But um, you, I liked when you mentioned that the treatment center, Declan, was was mental health and addiction. It's not just hey, we're gonna get you off the drugs, but now we're gonna we're gonna look into your mind and into your traumas and we're gonna figure out and get to the bottom of it because if you don't do that, in my experience, you always go back. At least I did. Um, so. So tell us Declan, when, when you got out, um, how has it been for you and, and how is kind of getting back to life? Because you guys are both so, still so young, right? Like 22, 24, and there's probably still a lot of people in your lives or maybe not in your lives anymore. Like Tierney said, that are still kind of in that party scene. So how has it been?
4: Um, I would say like coming home the first year, not even probably the first couple of months, I would say was definitely really challenging. Um just in the sense like I had to take my time with going back to those social settings because um, there's just a lot for me. And I and I made it clear with my friends and family too, like I set those boundaries and I would let them know like when I was ready and I had great a great support system in that sense with my friends because when we would go out um, and if I was uncomfortable or if I wanted to leave, they would understand and they would leave with me right away or like they were very understanding. So that was, it made it a lot easier. Um, and I think just over time, like, You just got to take baby steps and what you're comfortable with and you got to know what triggers you and whatnot and kind of let people around you know those triggers as well. So they can kind of have your back and get you out of those situations. Um, But kind of back to what you were saying about the facility as well is it was really nice because since they worked on the mental health and addiction, they had like specific therapists for each thing. So like there was a trauma therapist who really dove into Um, the root of every problem and then they had workshops with inside the facility like they really they really went down and tried to figure out what was going on and kind of break out of your shell and I know a lot of people didn't want to talk but by the end of uh, the period they were all ready to share their story and they were doing a lot better so I think that was a huge thing um, for me and that's what's led me to want to become a trauma therapist as well so it's just I don't know I think it changed me yeah
2: I love that. That's news to me. I, I didn't know. Is this a new revelation in your life or is this something that I know that you mentioned to me, I think before you wanted to work as maybe an addictions counselor, but now a trauma specialist.
4: Yeah. Well, I was looking into it more and I I went for mental health and addiction um for a worker at school and then I was looking into it more and I was like the one thing that I think changed a lot for me was working with that trauma therapist when I was there and like the things they have you doing too, it's just like, I don't know how this works, but it does. And it's, it's amazing. It's like a full 180, And I I was really interested in that. And I think that's what I'm more passionate about is kind of unraveling all those layers and figuring out what, what's going on and how we can cope with it in a healthier way. Um, So yeah, I don't, I think it's always, I've always wanted to get to that point, but I, it takes baby steps, right? You got to start somewhere and then hopefully along the line, I'll, I'll get to that point.
2: Well, yeah, like I said, you're still a, you're still a baby, right? You're the baby of 22, but it's, it's really awesome to hear. And I know that, uh, maybe talk, if you guys, Danny, talk, brag a little bit about Brogan, cause I know she's up to some pretty awesome stuff down there too, right?
3: All my kids are, they're awesome. Yeah. Actually, Rogan's working right now up in her room. So she's in a meeting. She's hoping to pop in and say hi, but she's uh, just completing her second master's in, uh, she had the first one in sports psychology and the second one is organizational psychology. Did I say that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so
3: she's working hard on that. She's doing the psychology stuff and she's loving it. And she has proper performance here uh, working with some young athletes and that's been, oh, yeah, she's having a blast doing all that stuff. And Jack just became an architect in Detroit. He Just uh, yeah, it's official. He's a, he's got a big boy job.
0: So wow.
3: he's a group in Detroit and uh, he's an architect and he'll be working on, on his master's. Uh, next year. And I think he just took off to go to the gym. He's an avid runner and workout guy. So hopefully he'll pop in and say hi too.
2: Wow. The, the Probert family is well on their way, aren't they? Yes. And this
3: one got her master's from Scotland while we are of course locked down. She was supposed to go to Scotland, but she did it from her bedroom. (sighs) Yeah. Actually I think this table from this yeah. table she did her master's program.
2: Well, good for you for getting it done because you know there's probably some people that would have just been like, No, I'm just gonna wait until I can go to Scotland or find like make an excuse to not do it. Mm-hmm. Um what a challenging time to get into recovery too, like through the lockdowns and, and right
1: before the lockdowns,
2: yeah. Yeah, and and I don't know. I saw a lot. I don't know about you guys. You guys must know some people that are in in recovery now too. Did you guys see a lot of people relapse um, through COVID? Because I certainly saw that. Did you guys hear about a lot of overdoses down in Windsor? Like what's the overall consensus on mental health and addiction through the pandemic?
3: Well, I could just say from being at the hospital at the time that yeah, all of our rooms were full. We were like at capacity, mental health was going through the roof and hearing the stories out of that end of the professional end of it and hearing from the doctors, it was horrifying. It was just awful to hear that people who had leveled off with their meds and doing so well in recovery and the relapse rate that was up. um, I don't know for you guys, for your friends, or you did for friends from
4: where you're at. Where, Where I was at, and I actually had someone who I was away with passed because they relapsed and overdose um because they were so like when you're so isolated and you can't really leave it's what else can you do right so um he fell back into that and it took over and it's sad to say but I'm so happy I got to have him a part of my journey and I, I just know a lot of people it was it was difficult like the isolation and being um just so in your own head and not being able to rely on that and then trying to kind of hide it away from your family or loved ones too. Like a lot of people are ashamed to talk about it. So yeah. uh, did yeah. you do meetings and stuff? Do you, do you get after program?
2: So I, I, I've done a ton of meetings this time. I, I really didn't. I've done a few more meetings now where I actually like go to meetings as a guest speaker more often than, than going to like a specific home group. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just found, I was doing so many personal meetings on like a daily basis, like talking to people. And I was running groups early on and uh, I didn't really like follow like one program this time. Like I tried everything for me. I had tried everything, every rehab harm reduction, 12-step detoxes, psych wards, like eat everything, right? Um, every medication, it seemed like, that the doctor could prescribe, and nothing worked until finally I'd just given up. And this time, I pretty much just went back to the basics. I was uh, locked away in Utterson in Nature in Muskoka in the middle of nowhere, got my skates back on for the first time. I was ATVing every day. And then, uh, you know, through the podcast, during the podcast, I started to get, like, a lot of uh, connections. Uh like people reaching out to me um, who were in similar situations or had recently been out of situation or uh, a loved one is in the crisis. And I just couldn't believe how many people, um, you know, just based off like a small following and people just a small group of people hearing what we're talking about, even like tonight, and just how impactful it is, because I understood that Every single family will be impacted by this on one way, like in one way or another. Like that's really like generally speaking, one in four people. If you don't know somebody that has been affected by mental illness or addiction or both, please tell me. I say this all the time. Find find me that person and send them to me because it's so prevalent and now more than ever. Right.
3: No, you're absolutely right. And that's why I asked about the aftercare program for Declan. She got away on in March and they were just closing the border. And everything was just shutting down we got her out of here just in time so when she came home i mean she didn't get to do a lot of the things that they typically do at that facility that she missed out on because of covid like going to the horses and stuff like that oh, i
4: got to do that i just couldn't have you guys
3: oh yeah we didn't and like we were to allowed to family to, time
4: yeah and we weren't allowed to they usually bring in or they'll do like bring us to something with huge groups and meetings and we get guest speakers <laughs> but we couldn't do that it was all through zoom and even our family week was on Zoom. Um, so there was a lot we missed out on, but.
3: And then coming home for an after program, yeah. you had to stay in touch with the facility. It's not like she could go to a meeting, either one of them, they couldn't go to open meetings or closed meetings yeah. for that matter, because there wasn't anything, everything was shut down. So yeah, that that was challenging a little bit.
4: It's nice though, because they give you the option. I know at least for my facility, I don't know about UT, but they send <laughs> emails. Um, With links to a bunch of different live meetings, so and it's mainly the people like alumni from that facility. So you're comfortable still. You kind of know some of the the workers or who's leading the uh, the meeting that day. So I thought that was really really helpful to at least have that when everything else was shut down. Um,
2: For sure, and the. The family, the family program, and and whether or not anybody goes to uh, treatment or not, for somebody I think going through addiction as a family member, and uh, really I think more I spend more time talking with people who care about somebody who's in addiction versus than somebody reaching out themselves and saying, "Hey, I have a problem." That happens a lot too, but it's more like a parent or a wife or a husband of like, and and it's not just hockey anymore. It's like just people who are struggling. Right. And uh, I guess I missed that like through and and my family and this is, you know, kind of throw my dad under the bus but I just don't think he knew and and I didn't really tell him how important family support is through when somebody's going through an addiction to educate yourself as the family member as a mom as a dad whatever that is uh, as a spouse to put yourself in the best position to understand what that person is going through and to look for the signs too right because we I think parents often send their kids to rehab uh, for the first time. And this is a story that I've heard so much in the last couple of years where they really don't know what to expect. And they're like, okay, well, my kid's going to rehab and, and, you know, we're just going to listen to everything that they say and, and, and we're just going to go there and they're going to go there and they're going to get better. And I got to stay here and continue my life. And then they're going to get better and they're going to come back and everything's going to be good. And that's not reality because, so often the parents also have to, uh, and I'm not saying you, Danny, but parents often have a part to play in it, whatever that is. And, and I found that if parents don't put themselves in the best position to like educate themselves and to be kind of on top of their loved one, that it becomes uh just a way tougher situation to navigate.
3: Well, I have to say for your dad's just to have his back on this one, had I not gone through everything that I, to hell and back with Bob, yeah, <laughs> literally. I don't know if I would have handled everything the same with the kids. Yeah, I mean, I had the experience. We'd been through a few rehabs together and that whole experience. And I remember young, naive, I mean, ignorant Danny. I didn't know one of the treatment centers of Bob, you know, calling me out. I had to go out for the family week and uh, I had just had Brogan. I think she was a couple of weeks old and they needed me out there for this intensive thing. I was such a bitch. I really was. I was like, I'm not the one with the problem. Why do I have to go out there? I got to uproot my, me and my daughter and go, you know, I, I had an attitude and I ended up finding out real quick that I had my own issues I had to deal with. And if, you know, I had to work on me and Bob had to work on him and we had to work on our relationship together. And uh, that took a lot of work and that was a real eye opener. So I think that going through that, um, gave me the tools that when my own daughters came to me to talk to me, I was open and, you know, I mean, I was always looking for signs. I couldn't, you could, you know, how can you not uh, coming out of that with, with Bob that, you know, you're always looking at your kids. Are they doing anything a little off or looking for any signs that way? But when they came to me, it was, it was relief. And it, and, and a sense of pride that they recognized this in themselves and they wanted to get the help. And then there was a lot of prayers that this was going to stick. Yeah. Because, no, going to rehab, that's not a magic, you know, fairy dust that you're sprinkling on your kid as you send them out the door thinking that this place has a a magic wand and they're going to, you know, fix your kid. No, there's a lot of work that goes into it from all parties involved. And I think that if you want success and sobriety and that path, that it's it's imperative that, you know, you learn as a parent and you listen. That's huge. And, uh, you know, you just you got to sit back and let your kid talk and you have to listen. So.
2: Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine, you know, I have kids, but they're, they're pretty young. So obviously they haven't gone through anything like this, but I can imagine, I, I think of my dad and, and, and people who really have no control over seeing somebody go down that dark path and and how hard that that really is. Um, but it must feel pretty good to sit next to those two today, knowing that they're on the right path.
3: Right. Absolutely. And it's just, I mean, I'm blessed. I have a great relationship with, we're a very close family and I don't know if that's, stems from losing Bob when we did 12 years ago and at the ages they were at that just we're like a ferret family we're so close and we love hanging out we like each other's company and we like having game night and, and chilling out and ordering in and just hanging out it's it's a lot of fun and I know that's not the norm so yes for them to be on this path and to be a part of that and to still have them all home they're, they're getting ready to leave the nest but it's um it's it's pretty awesome i'm so he'll stay forever he's gonna
2: say the baby but yeah Tierney, you're you're talking about moving to texas right
1: oh, i'm counting down the days i can't wait to get out of here
2: how, how many days actually <laughs> what no more games she's like enough game nights i'm going yeah, to Texas. Okay. <laughs> okay yeah right
1: i love the game nights i, love I know you do guys. you guys should all move to texas with me okay i would go
2: I yeah I would I told tyranny this the other day when we chatted I said I would move to Texas I lived down there for a bit and I never wanted to leave it's just it's like a different world down there the people are great Um, the way of living is great I don't know I love it and it just seems like it's the last the last frontier of normalcy in North America so right right? (laughs) um do you guys have a favorite story about Bob about your dad and do you ever uh, there must people must talk about him to you guys all the time do you ever get sick of hearing the stories or is it something that you just absolutely love to hear danny's going no i love it
3: i um, love the stories yeah, as long as as they're good. Of,
4: yeah yes
2: yes yeah
4: we like the good stories as long
2: as good. do you have a do you have a favorite like is there a favorite story that people maybe tell you that you hear often or something that just lights you up
4: i'll let you guys go <laughs> no this isn't this isn't what um anyone's told me this is my own experience um but my mom like we used to all love getting our backs scratched at night, like to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and every time, my dad would always take me to my hockey tournaments. So she would be with Jack, um, but I remember just laying there, and I don't know if you were out of town with Jack or whatnot. But he came in, and this big guy, he lays in Rogan's bed with me, and he's singing to me, and he's scratching my back. But he doesn't have any fingernails, and his and his hands Nuts. are all crusty and like gross. All yeah, all calloused. I'm like laying there. and He's just scratching his <laughs> finger. Like, <laughs> like it was awful, but it was so funny. So I, I always remember that. That's
2: why, right there. Right. That's
4: it, right Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah his hands
3: are pretty chewed up i love that story That is so gross but it's so funny
1: (laughs) that's awesome i I can never come up with one on the spot
3: really i have so many i don't know i think the big tough guy did i say this the last time we were talking i don't even know because this is my favorite one of my favorites um when bob when we had a rattlesnake situation at the cottage did i share that with you i'm not sure okay our cottage up in tobermory yeah the twins weren't <laughs> born yet. I might have been just pregnant with them. And we were up at the waterfront and early morning, Bob sipping his coffee on the deck and reading the paper. Um, probably having a couple of darts. I don't even know. And the Tierney and Brogan went down to feed the ducks. And I was right behind them and I could hear this strange noise. And sure enough, it was a rattlesnake. And I hate snakes. I have an irrational fear to begin with, but I heard this noise and here are my babies down on these rocks, that thing's gonna just take them down. And I'm trying to stay calm and get them away from the rocks. And I'm trying to call Bob down. So I'm trying to get the kids away from the rocks. I'm trying to have Bob come and save the day. And as soon as he came down finally, uh, and I told him there's a rattlesnake, he jumped up on the picnic table with us. He was zero help, Mr. Tough Guy. Zero <laughs> help in the rattlesnakes situation. So that's one of my favorites.
2: That's so good. I love. Like
3: calling the game warden to come and take the snake away. That's the what I thought. He loved snakes. I remember? Oh, I loved- he loved snakes to pick them up. But the yeah. rattlesnake situation. Really true. Oh, I know.
2: Yeah, it's it's like one of those unknown things that it's like you just don't even want to. Yeah. test that your whole life you're, it's like you get bit by a rattlesnake you're done right that's at least my my idea that of, of that kind of snake so i don't mind snakes but i'd probably be right on that i'd probably be running never mind on the
3: picnic table. <laughs> he jumped <laughs> up on that picnic table yeah he's so fast i don't even i think he
1: leaped onto there it was hilarious oh, yeah, right. had cool. yeah. oh my
3: gosh well the
1: video for sure
4: yeah yeah video um
1: uh, i do have one Um, I think this is where my fear of blood stemmed I have like a horrible fear of blood Um, and at the old house my dad used to have all this like car equipment to work on his cars that like never got built Uh, so he had this big sander and one day he was out there and just Brogan and I were home and he's working on the sander and he ran his hand through it and from like here to here this skin was hanging off of his hand and it's just like hanging and he comes into the house and he's like D, you gotta cut this off right now, and I'm like, <laughs> and then he's yelling at Brogan. Brogan's trying to do it. She's got the scissors. She's looking the other way. He's like, you are going to look at it. Cut it. You're gonna cut my thumb off. And we're like, <laughs> it was horrible. We managed to get. Well, Brogan managed to get off. I went nowhere near it. Like, now I can't think of blood ever. You know?
2: That's so funny. That's a, those are great stories. I really that appreciate was
1: so
3: you. <Yes>. Don't so, do the duck call. What about the duck call? You know. that can do it. That was how Bob located the kids. What the grocery oh. store? Can you do it? No. <laughs> the duck call.
0: I can okay. take my he teeth
3: out.
2: Done. That's all I got. That's my one trick. I take my teeth out, and that's where it ends. Do the duck <laughs> call again. Do it again. That's we pretty-
4: we'd be in grocery stores or at the hockey arena, and you would be like, we wouldn't know where he was, and you just hear that, and then we'd find our find way.
3: Dad. Yeah. Yeah.
4: All That's so cute. That's... He was home for the duck call all the time. It was awesome. How
2: how long did you play hockey for, Declan?
4: Ooh. When did I start? Oh, well, you were young, like five. Okay, and then I stopped. Uh, I'd say grade twelve. So yeah, because then you played high. She played travel hockey, and then I high played, school. No, I played travel, house league, and high school.
2: So do you ever consider putting the the gear back on and playing oh, hockey goodness, again? I
4: sort of love it. I was actually just talking to um, someone at my work the other day, and I was like, I really want to look into, you know, they have female beer leagues, um, but they actually are, like, not super competitive, but you all get your own teams, and, like, there's a winner at the end, so I'm like, I I would love that, just to get on the ice again and play with people. And, like, I play pond hockey when when the lake's frozen and whatnot, but I haven't been actually playing a real game in so long, and I'd love to.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, I think you should do it. I don't know how much time you have on your hands with whatever you're going to have going on, but it's, uh, I don't know for me anyways, like you started at five and I don't know how much you loved just skate. Like I just love being on the ice. I could care less about the competitive side of the game now. And like the the whole, I have no time for that. I just want to be on the ice, you know, with kids or by myself or with whoever just doing what, like just having fun. Right. And, men's league whatever even sometimes that for me can get carried away because there always seems to be one asshole that wants to fight and try to do something and it's like man come on like yeah. you know I had some actually I had some guy come up to me after I played in this men's league game and he came up to me <laughs> And I had this ridiculous. I had like two different colored socks on, so I looked like there was like one neon green and like an orange. I had like red pants, this crazy jersey. This like,
3: bright. Yeah,
2: like, <laughs> I this no teeth, a mustache, long hair. Right, because I took my teeth out. The guy came up to me like we shook hands after. He's like, he's like, hey, like they didn't know who I was or anything like that. He's like, hey man. He's like, why do I feel like? if I Google you, I'm going to find that you're like a character straight out of the Slapshot movie. And I'm like, man, if you, if you Google me, you're going to find out way more than you ever, <laughs> you know, and he just laughed. Right. And he ended up sending me a message, but what, a, what a, I, don't know that getting back on the ice, getting back to doing something that's for you and that you love, whether, whether it's hockey or whatever, has been so important in my recovery anyway. So I would love to see you get back on the ice or hear about it one day. Oh, I
4: would love it. But the difference is I did like the, like the competitiveness a little bit. yeah I did I love having fun 100% and like being out on the ice no matter what but I think that made it exciting for me and honestly I felt like a totally different person on the ice than I was off the ice you just feel a lot more tough right so um, my
2: my my buddy Stuart Smith he's assistant fire chief out in Abbotsford and he's actually the chair for the puck support charity he's played junior hockey and he's just an incredible guy. He's There's a comment that I'll get to, but he just, he just said this. He says, we need Declan to join puck sport ODR team next winter. So we have, you guys saw that tournament, that yeah. that outdoor tournament, the jerseys behind me. And I, I told people that we we're going to start auctioning it off on Friday, but I, then we were doing the show. So I thought we would talk about it a little bit now. Not, I don't know how much money we're going to raise, but we're going to do it for the ride and, and bring down the money or get the jersey. I'll we'll show in a second, but we played for all the jerseys were made uh, in, in memory of a hockey player who, who we lost. And um, we got a jersey made uh, in your dad's honor, of course. And that's
3: awesome. Um, I love it. That's yeah. so and, cool, Brady.
2: Yeah. And uh, but we're going to play in it again. And it's up here on the wharf. I think, Tierney, I saw pictures of you up here for the tournament one time. It was like the and Chicklets guys were up here. Oh, were up yeah. here for that? So that outdoor tournament, that's what we played in. Like, right, that's where it was, like on the wharf here in Gravenhurst. And we're going to have a, a ladies team this year. Declan so you might have to come up and play I on What? You guys are you guys are in. You guys are in. You got to come.
3: We have, yeah, yeah, Rogan. yeah <laughs> Rogan doesn't play. All the pro kids. She's
1: the only one who doesn't play.
2: Yeah, Jack Jack can play too. Can play on my team. Yeah. I would love to see a co-ed division in that tournament, but I'll tell you what an amazing event that on the pond they put on Shout out Rob Carlton. He put it on and they were so kind to, to our team and to me and got to take, it was a pretty cool, I'll I'll tell you a pretty cool story and people have heard this one maybe, but during that weekend. So they did like the big opening ceremonies with the bagpipes and the O Canada. And there's like 800 hockey players multi-divisions and we were in the competitive division and like i didn't put together like some superstar team it was more about like who's playing on the team and why and uh, we ended up finishing third but we got to be in the opening ceremonies and i got to take like the opening uh face off like just a ceremonial puck drop with this other guy the They won the championship the year before all this stuff. And just before the puck dropped, the guy leaned in and he's like, this is exactly what he said. He's like the captain of the other team. And this was so foreign to me in the space of hockey. And I hadn't played in a tournament at all in years and years. And he leans in, he's like, Hey man, I fucking love what you're doing. I'm five years clean and sober myself. And I'm like, no way. Right. And that's how that that's. And he's like, and we got three guys on the team that are two or three guys that are on the team in recovery as well too. And he's like, and then that's how the tournament started. Right. And it uh it was a great event and yes some people come to party but we were there for a different reason and we just had such a such a great time and i don't know what your schedules will be like but it's in the end of february and if you know even if you came up for a day it'd be awesome to have you up but absolutely no pressure we'll just put it on stewart he's the one that suggested it but i was also thinking it no oh,
4: i would love that that sounds I so much that. fun yeah I would love it,
2: absolutely. We're yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're, yeah. You might be in Texas. I don't know how many how many outdoor rinks there are in Texas, but yeah. <laughs> they do have hockey in Texas though, and not just pro hockey. There are um there are some like random rinks in the middle of nowhere at least where i was where it's like what the hell there's just a random hockey rink. like there's not one for like a thousand like 500 miles and then all of a sudden in the middle of nowhere you're like there's this hockey rink here we're going to practice here it was like what the hell <laughs> but yeah. uh so I,
3: I, in
4: texas where were you
2: i, I was in the real grand valley but i got to spend like time in austin and san antonio and dallas but i spent the majority of the time <laughs> majority of the time in the real grand valley which was Uh, basically like the show Border Town, right? Like that was where I was. There was more border patrol vehicles than normal vehicles, it seemed like. And you could see Reynosa, Mexico, like from the parking lot of our team arena, which was like a nice arena. It was in the minors, right? But you could see the border of Mexico in the distance. It was like a seven minute drive, right? And there's so much, like there was some stuff that went on down there with the cartels, but I never felt like, and we were in one of the worst technically, you know, unsafe areas for that violence and stuff. And I never really saw anything. We saw stuff in the newspapers, these crazy stories, but I always felt safe in Texas. Even when people were packing around guns on their hips, it was like, well, yeah, it's like, but everyone has a gun on their hips. So people are super polite. Like you you don't mouth off like you do in Canada because down there you might have to pay a price. It's just a different way of life. And I really quite enjoyed my time down there.
3: Well, that's good to know.
2: Yeah, i is this awesome?
3: sure. feel good about you going down there that's good to hear
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think she's going to be in dallas closer to dallas that's a little more of a i was in like the outlaw part of texas for the majority of the time but dallas is uh, is a great city and i just love the people of texas before i let you guys go let's talk a little bit more about the ride it's on june 26th and it's in, in its 10th and final year tell me a little bit danny as the the queen over there, <laughs> the decision, um, and maybe it was a family decision um, on on calling it. Uh, this is the final year for the Bob Probert Memorial Ride.
3: It was absolutely a family decision. All the decisions we make for the ride, we discuss around the table, and if we can, we include Bob's mom. Um, and I really did want to keep the ride going as long as she was around. To be honest, she really enjoys it. But she, her health has been declining a little bit, so it's a, a getting difficult for her to spend the days with us. It's a full day event, really. Like we we open up the gates at 9 a.m. and um, you're not back to the final stop till around 3:30, 4 o'clock. So it's a full day. That's a lot for her. Um, but we did tell her. We discussed it with her, and um, ultimately we decided as a family. Yeah, we're going to call it. Um, I I remember joking, people would say, "Okay, 10 and out, you're going to go to 10 years. And I kept saying, well, 10 didn't sit well with me at the time. It was, you know, pre-pandemic and the craziness. And I wasn't ready for that. But um, I always joked that 12 was my favorite number. I was the better half of 24. So maybe we'll go 12 years. And I just uh, it just didn't make sense. I was like, oh, you can't go to 12 years. No one else is going to get it. That's an inside joke. Well, oddly enough, it's been 12 years since he's almost 12 years since he's been gone, so technically it's the 12th year, but it's the 10th ride, and uh, it, it just, it's just—it's another sign that yeah, it's time to wrap it up on a high note. All good things must come to an end. Uh, we might have some reunion tours down the down the road. Yeah. But, um, we just we just really enjoy. We we thank our community, everybody that's been involved in helping us celebrate and honor Bob for so long. We're so thankful for that. And uh, we look forward to June 26th. And I can't believe you're going to be here. I'm so excited. I'll believe it when I actually see you.
2: Oh, I'm I'm there. I already have it. I've had it in my calendar for a year. And like I was supposed to be rollerblading across Canada right now. But because of COVID and trying to plan, it was never about like, oh, I'm going to start in PEI and I'm just going to rollerblade across Canada. It was about actually stopping in some of these communities, inviting people out, inviting the resources that were in the community to set up kind of shop and do like this little like mental health and addiction expo in these little communities communities as we go along and as we were trying to like you know talk like we got some sponsors that were interested in, and trying to plan these events and the dates and 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 then it was like I don't know it was all of a sudden it was like January and everything was still closed and everyone was like confused and I was like okay well we can't do it because I'm supposed to leave in like four months and it's we have things planned but not planned the way that we want it and um and even then like we had it worked into the rollerblades so that I could be in windsor for june 26th like it was around that time like at the end of june like we've been planning it for it's over a year ago it was in the works that it was in my calendar to be there so i wouldn't i wouldn't miss it for the world and especially now that it's the last year um you guys added something this year too
3: we did the class oh, i was just gonna hold up the poster yep we're doing oh go ahead That's yeah. right there, hold, that it. Show. hold it up but yours will look better I'll yours be yeah this is this you hold up yours <laughs> look at that yeah, we had that Chevelle 70 Chevelle LS6. Oh, yeah. Some car. I, Bob had such a passion for bikes and cars. As our family grew, his car collection grew. It was easier for us to pile up all the kids and go out for ice cream and stuff in a car than on the bike. So um, it made perfect sense. We had always planned on including the cars eventually. I'm hoping some of Bob's old cars that um, have since been sold make their way back. Dave Hutchison with the. Uh, he has the 71 Chevelle, the blue and white one, the make believe colors. Uh, because he played for the Leafs. So that's nice. That's where that one is. And we have a 68 Charger out there and the 70 Chevelle. And um, the Monte Carlo will definitely be there this year. So um a lot of you know, awesome passions that Bob had that we get to include in one day. So we're really excited about that.
2: It's so it's so awesome. Is there one one um I don't know highlight I mean there's so many I'm I'm sure but looking back 10 10 years 12 years uh the 10th ride could you have imagined it being such a success and and where um I don't know like where did you see it from the first year until today and and maybe what's the greatest accomplishment through the Bob Probert ride for you guys individually is there one or is it just uh, I
3: mean gosh no I never imagined it going this long and I didn't imagine it growing the way it did in raising the money that we have for our community. Um, the people that come out, that blows us away every year. Like we invite players and we reserve rooms for them, which I'll be doing for you tomorrow, so just let you know. But I just, um, it, it's just amazing who shows up. We never know what the players, who is gonna show up. And then they share the story. So it's a nice reunion. It's a hockey family reunion for us. And um, the people that come out, we see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces. And I love it when they share Bob stories. The kids love it. That's a the best part of that day for us every single year. The first year of missing the ride, the first year of the pandemic was heartbreaking. Because this was something, this is like planning your wedding over and over and over again. So much work goes into it. Like you said, with planning your your trip across Canada, there's a lot of organizing involved and um, a lot of phone calls and a lot of, you know, looking at the calendar and rearranging things and and putting everything into place for it to be a success and for things to run smoothly. So it's a lot of work to celebrate him (laughs) on the level that we did. It was awesome. It's so worth it every year. It just was amazing.
2: I'm looking back. I, I don't know if I even uploaded them but there i remember the last time i had you on uh just looking at the pictures uh you guys the kids have grown up so much um over the years like some of the pictures like you look back and you guys were like just little like like young like jack and declan were young and like tyranny and tyranny and rogan look young too but they essentially look like they're like you know the big sisters and like there's just this big like i don't know and to see you guys you know you're you're young women now and to see where you're sitting uh, in recovery and to just to own your life and to take it back. I'm just so proud of you guys. And I just so appreciate your guys like love and support, Danny especially. Like you're the one that really introduced me to your family and kind of allowed me in. And I have to give a shout out to dmac because without his, you know, co sign of approval, that
4: absolutely birth-
3: it was Mitzi who gave the stamp of approval. Yep, talk to Brady, he's a cool cat. So yes,
2: and he <laughs> has become uh, he's become one of the big brothers I never had to, and uh, just super grateful for him. And um, yeah, I was really nervous that first time talking to you, and I think maybe even more nervous talking to the three of you guys tonight at the beginning but once i settle in it's like oh well if i choke on my words i choke on my words it's happened before it's gonna happen again that's just that's just the reality of this this business for me because i'm a hack i'm no professional but uh i'm gonna see you guys june 26th in windsor and i'm so excited and just honored to be a small part of it and can't wait to give you guys all a hug and um i just so 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 appreciate your guys's friendship and support. It means the world to me. And, um, you know, Danny, you're, you guys are always welcome on the show. And if there's anything that I can do to either help you guys, anything you guys are doing or individually, uh, that goes for Brogan and Jack as well. I'm always here for you guys. And, um, yeah, I'm always just a phone call away. I think you guys both have my phone number. The three of you guys do anyways, I think. So don't ever forget it. And I just really appreciate you guys opening up um your personal lives and i know you've done it before but coming on here and just sharing this time and space with me and the viewers and listeners um i know people appreciate it and there's a bunch of comments coming in i'll just get to one quickly because i don't want to keep you guys too much if i can find it i want to
3: reach to the screen and give you a big hug i can't wait to meet you in person and give you the biggest hug oh my gosh
2: my, my buddy brody says appreciate the sharing of your stories and honesty um Bones, Bones had one more I wanted to get to because you mentioned ice cream. And he said, when Danny spoke of Bob pushing ice cream in Danny's nose, I did this to Bob, told him, when that special lady comes into your life, try this.
3: <laughs> yep. One of our first dates. No, the yogurt. My yogurt's bad. Smell this. I smelled it and I got yogurt up the nose.
2: <laughs> and hey, it worked.
3: It's all, <laughs> oh, all your fault. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it uh but it it certainly worked. So I'm going to I'm going to be down there uh with Susan Cook who's like the other half of Puck Support. She's actually Harry Sinden's niece. She was the he coached the 72 Summit Series and he's worked for the Boston Bruins from 1966, maybe 65 until today. He is 90 years old. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And uh so I I always tell people this and there was I was with a guy earlier who we, he's from Ontario, but we were talking about the 2011 Stanley Cup, right in Vancouver versus Boston. And so I was telling him like in front of me, you guys have no idea. Like you guys have, red wing stuff and sh- Chicago stuff, probably it's just all Boston and it's just everywhere, like everywhere I look and it just pains me so bad because much like leaf fans, the Canucks have never won a Stanley cup and probably won't in my lifetime either. Do you guys, before I let you go, I got to ask, where's your stance on hockey? Like, do you guys, are you guys hockey fans? Like, do you guys watch hockey? Are you into it? Or is it just sort of like, uh, man, yeah. When it on, <laughs> I enjoy
4: watching it, but yeah. I'm not, it's not like I'm keeping up. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do enjoy watching a game. I miss the fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Go team.
3: That's all I got. <laughs>
2: miss the fighting. You yeah. miss the fighting. So you guys, yeah, I have to ask now the stance on fighting because you saw how much of a toll it played on on Bob's life, right? And and what that did. So the stance on fighting. I I still think there's a there's a needs to be in the game and if you take it out completely, I'm not sure you ever can. But if you did, I just feel like I don't know. I feel like the game in general has gone downhill. I went, I watched a lot of junior hockey this year and I'm like, I just watch and I'm like, wow, if I would have tried that, or if I would have done that, I would have been dead. Like a guy would have just cross-checked me in the face and dealt with it in a different way. You just don't even try to, you know, do these things. And I don't know, it's just a, it's just a different, different game. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of and on the
3: changed every year, you know, especially in the decades. And I think when Bob was watching it, um, after he retired I mean gosh I think he really only watched playoff hockey after yeah. he retired and noticing the changes and oh my gosh hearing his commentary I really do miss that I think he made us watching hockey more interesting <laughs> just hearing his play by play it was awesome but um no we don't really watch now and uh with the fighting and and I mean gosh I think you and I addressed it last time I didn't mind watching Bob fight I knew like,
1: but there was also a code back then yes well that's the thing now I think. Until they find a more effective way to prevent these assholes from making like potentially career ending cheap shots, there's a place for fighting in hockey.
2: Love that. Hold on, you got
3: something
2: for you. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, what jersey are you wearing right now? Like, is that
3: is daddy's?
2: Is that actually one of his jerseys? OG, no. No, just the okay. one that
3: maybe you guys it's too you guys- clean. There's no blood on it. Those <laughs> ones are upstairs, though. I'll show them when you go. No, I did grab this one upstairs. Yeah, no, but this is nice and fold. It has crease marks. Ah, that's new. <laughs> well, daddies don't look so new.
1: Looking, <laughs> better, <laughs> looking. No,
2: and they're probably ripped all along the collar or wherever too, right?
3: Oh, yeah, there's a few of those. A few, seriously, with some some blood, blood stains on them. Yep. So I'll show those to you gladly. I, we I, have I, a good collection
2: i can't wait it would be an absolute honor and like yeah i just i love you guys so much and can't wait to see you thank you so much for doing this we love you i appreciate you guys so much and uh, i guess we'll see you in a couple of weeks
3: you got it yes
2: bye ladies Bye. all right guys that is danny tierney and declan probert thank you ladies so much for for coming on the show um Wow, it's a lot to digest. I'm trying to get this picture up here. You got text messages coming in. Um, I'm going to wrap up the show here in a couple of minutes. June is Pride Month. Uh, right now, of course, you guys know if you've watched the show. After Curtis Gabriel came on, he's become a good friend. Uh, currently, was with the Chicago Blackhawks last season, up and down. Um, he shared his story um, on my podcast and and how he became an ally and and through supporting the LGBTQ community and it kind of really opened my eyes because during that uh, conversation, you know I shared some of the stuff that I went through um, you know as a kid being abused and then hearing some of these homophobic slurs and stuff like that in the hockey dressing room it really put me in a shell and it just kind of woke me up to some of the language that people use and and what that can do whether it's somebody who's uh, openly gay in the closet, not gay at all somebody who's gone through traum- traumatic experiences like myself where i heard that and people getting labeled as you know uh with stuff that probably wasn't even true and their lives being essentially ruined through school and i was like yeah that's never going to happen to me so i'm never telling anybody what happened to me and then that manifested into severe mental illness and addiction and i'm very lucky uh, to be able to sit here and tell my story um, so through talking to curtis Um, And then Brock McGillis, of course. And then uh, linking up with the people over at Pride Tape, Jeff and Dean, they do incredible work. They're all through the NHL now. I mentioned on the last podcast, I think I'm looking for it here somewhere. they're, They're coming out with a new book. I have one of the first copies. And for... The next couple weeks, uh, anyone who orders from Puck Support is going to get a roll of Pride Tape. So I'm just going to play the ad quickly, which also needs to be updated because these pictures of me just crack me up. So anyways, a quick message from Pride Tape and we'll come back and
0: wrap up the show. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at Prytape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at Prytape.com. You can find Pride Tape on Facebook.com slash Pride Tape, on Twitter at Pride Tape and at Pride Tape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change.
2: Thank you to the people over at Pride Tape. I'm just looking at my phone here because... Graham Bonner sent me some awesome pictures that I didn't see of him and Proby winning the Mem Cup in the Sioux back in the day. There's a couple more here too, I think. But Graham, you're an incredible guy. I love you so much. And he's going to be on the show again in the near future. He's came on, shared his story. But since then, him and I have become pretty, pretty close and uh, can't wait to get him back on the show. I love seeing these, these pictures uh, from back in the day, like just, young kids on top of the world just winning mem cups no big deal thanks for sharing that bones i wish i would have been able to upload it brody says those are awesome Lindsay schmidt daniel miner's sister daniel is right here behind me always says thank you very much probert family for sharing your story and being so honest It is never easy, but needs to be done. Sharing our stories will hopefully help others. Um, Thank you to Lindsay. I'm sure Tom and Michelle Miner are watching too, and they've become very close um, to myself and Puck Support um, through their son and and Lindsay's brother, Daniel Miner, who played for the Barry Colts and passed away just over a year ago. And um, they were a big part of the tournament uh, that we were in the four-on-four tournament. They came up, they spent the weekend. Uh, Lindsay's husband played in the tournament and it was just a tremendous, tremendous weekend. It was, um, it was hard. It was emotional. Uh, we were all there playing in honor of hockey players who had passed away. Um, but what an amazing weekend and they were just such a big part of that. And. I just love you guys so much. And I'm planning, I know I've been saying this, but I'm saying it. I'm planning a trip to come down and fish with Tom. They have a fishing outfit down there in Dunville. uh, And I've been telling him for like a year, I'm coming out on the boat. I love being out on boats. I love fishing. They do uh, commercial fishing and he's sending me texts every day. It's like, I got a thousand pounds of perch today. I got this today, sending me sunsets and all sorts of amazing stuff. And I got to get down there. I feel like just got to get down there. Eat some fish and chips at the Thirsty Mate. If you're ever in the Dunville area, go see Michelle Miner at the Thirsty Mate down at at the wharf there, down at the docks. Um, Anyways, that's it for me. We're going to be back Monday night with Chris Knuckles Nyland. If you haven't seen his podcast, the Raw Knuckles podcast, honestly, check it out. Chris Nyland is one of the funniest guys. Um, He called me the other morning at like 730 I hadn't talked to him in like a year and a half. I mean, I think I texted him a couple of times. I, I'm in bed and my phone rings and it's like Chris Nyland. And I'm like, oh, this ought to be good, right? And I'm like, this is awesome. This is how I start my day. And he's like, hey, Brady, I'm going to come back on your show. And you're going to come on my show. He's like, I'm like, all right, I'm in. Just you tell me when. He's like, when can I come on your show? I'm like, I don't know, next Monday. And he's like, I'm there. He's like, and then we'll go from there. So I've been watching and listening to his stuff. And his stories are are just incredible. So next week monday night 8 p.m with chris knuckles nyland um shout out to my good buddy spencer jenkins he's going across the country right now you guys have probably seen him on social media he came up and spent the day with me uh, as he toured muskoka we got on the blades and got to hang out and shoot the shit for a little bit he's hilarious all over s- social media also tiny beast abby all the way from illinois got to take her and an amazing group of kids to the rink of dreams Uh, That was just a few days ago. And thank you to David and Elise down at the Rink of Dreams. Abby had this dream of going to this beautiful place that she's seen on social media for the last couple of years. And when I found out she was playing in a tournament in Toronto, I messaged Elise. And within minutes, there was a group chat on Instagram with her planning an event. And it was just amazing. An amazing day. Anytime I get to go to the Rink of Dreams. So thank you to them. If anyone is in the GTA... Barry, Muskoka, North Bay, Wasega Beach, those kind of areas, hit me up. I'm doing skills training if you want. If you're looking for training, we have camps in Aurelia and North Bay this summer. I am looking for AAA level kids right now, and there will be a time when I will coach uh, maybe lower levels, but right now I'm looking for triple A level kids who are looking to take that next step. And it's so much more about hockey for me. It's about developing that per- personal relationship and um, helping them navigate through life, not just hockey, because I don't care who you are at some point in time in your life. Somebody's going to be like, yeah, you're not playing anymore. And, and you can play for fun, but it, there's a difference between living and breathing for hockey. And that's all you do. And then when it's gone, it, uh, it can be a recipe for disaster. And also moving away from home was a really difficult thing for me and still to this day I have many players who I speak with throughout different junior leagues right across Canada, the United States who are going through or were going through during the season some of the same stuff that I went through and so many other guys in in past had gone through as well so I think it's really important to have these kind of conversations and there's coaches out there that do amazing stuff on the ice but that's where they leave it and that's fine and that's up to them but for me it's just about so much more than that so Hit me up on social media. If you're interested, you have a, a son or daughter, please send them my way. It's just a gift to be on the ice. Anyways, guys, we'll see you back Monday night with Chris Knuckles Nylon. Until then, take care of each other. Be kind, stay grateful, and remember, have a great day if you so choose. I'm
3: grateful, oh yeah stable, oh yeah, no label, oh
2: yeah, you know me, I have only a but damn,
3: I'm going Robin. I don't want no fake love I want the real stuff Everybody
1: listen up, cause I'll only say it once I'm gonna show you all the path If you want it bad I'm gonna show you every side, yeah How you can get it back, yeah Cause I ain't never
3: done, I'll be number one Working hella hard until I get just what I want, yeah rises like the sun, yeah Fade like a gun, shooters gonna shoot And
0: I'm gonna shoot until I
3: want yeah, I Always do it alone, so